You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 33. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This podcast is sponsored by our all-new course, What Tech Job is Right for Me. Visit us at youartechie.com slash start to check out our new course and find what tech job is right for you. Hello and welcome. So glad to be with you today. Today, we will be talking about more value for more money. I know, I know, a popular topic. We want to make more money always, right? Whatever we're making, be nice just to make a little bit more. I frequently talk about how the key to making more money is to add more value, but we're going to dive into exactly what that means and what that means in terms of a salary upgrade. And we're also going to talk about why technology, the tech field as a whole, is a great place to find meaningful and flexible, but also well-paid work. What does it mean? Because if every job in tech is not well-paid, how can I say that? And I'm going to walk you through exactly what that means and why if you aren't considering a tech career, you might want to just consider it. Because there really are a lot of options and you can find the role that is meaningful for you because there's such a high demand. When you have such a high demand in an area or a segment in an industry, what that means is there's lots of opportunity. And with lots of opportunity comes lots of options, which is fantastic because we know we can, you know, find a place that really fits us. But of course, it's overwhelming because there are so many options. So I'm going to really walk you through why it makes sense to take that leap into a tech career, even if it's the same job. So you can be a project manager in one field, but you take that project management over to tech. I'm going to walk you through how that can be a greater financial compensation for you over the trajectory of your career. Okay, what does value mean? Okay, we kind of get it in general, but let me talk about it from my offerings. I give advice and teach information on this podcast and in my Your Techie courses and coaching program. If you get information from one of those channels, whether it's a free offering or a paid offering, if you get information and that information helps you, it educates you, it helps you to take action or it changes your life in some way, I've added value to your life, okay? So that's from my perspective, from the perspective of serving you, just serving you this podcast. Now let's take it from the perspective of an employer. You're working for someone now, or you're thinking about going to work for someone, let's walk through how to add value to an employer, because that is how we're going to make more money. We have to give them more value than they're paying us. That's always true in an organization. We have to bring more value than they're paying us, otherwise they can't run a business. But in this case, we want to give more value than we're currently providing. So let's talk about an employer. Let's use Cisco as an example. 
okay, they're a very technical company, they're a big local employer here, and I like to use them as an example because they're pretty much like as technical as you can get. They offer a ton of hardware and also a ton of software services. There's a ton of security involved in Cisco. You have to be, it's the techiest of the techie, but also Cisco has a hugely remote culture. So it's definitely corporate, okay? It's definitely a corporate environment, but you have a ton of flexibility when it comes to remote work. So I like, I think they're a really good example when you're thinking, you know, if you have that dichotomy of your mind, like I'm gonna go work for someone, but wait a minute, um, I don't know, I can't show up every day and be there nine to five or whatever. Cisco's a good example to be like, well, wait a minute, there's a company like Cisco where I can, it's a really big stable company, and I'm gonna talk about that in a little bit, and it's an environment that's inherent in their culture, their flexibility, okay? So I like to use that as an example, and then you can kind of play off that and look for companies that make sense for you in the flexibility that you want, but they're big remote workforce. And then when I was first starting out my career, the other reason I like to use them, I can't remember if I was an intern, I think I was actually an intern, and this was for Accenture, but back then it was called Anderson Consulting, so I'm like totally dating myself. But I worked for the big five accounting firm, Arthur Anderson. And then I interned with Anderson Consulting, and then I took the job with Accenture, and they were kind of like one was spinning off of the other. So I spent time with that environment. And those were two different cultures, but the point is that back then when I was interning, so we're talking about probably, mm, I wanted to say 20, I think it's a little bit more than 20 years ago, but about 20 years ago, I was doing technical audits on security systems for Cisco, so their routers and their firewalls. That was 20 years ago. And they're still a relevant company today. So what does that mean? It means that it's gonna be a viable organization and they're probably gonna be around for a while. So if you work there, you're gonna have the, the network that you need to move your career forward. You're gonna have mentors available and it's gonna be something on your LinkedIn profile that is meaningful and impactful over your, the course of your career. Okay, so, I think that's a great standard to kind of look at your decisions and base it off of. Because if you're thinking about like, well, how do I do this? How is the execution of a job? And go ahead and apply to Cisco, that's great. But you can also use it as just an example to say, okay, this is an example of an organization that meets all that criteria. And look at over the long haul of my career, how that's going to impact me, okay? I'm gonna be able to have a lot of opportunities there and I can use it to leverage other opportunities. Okay, so we're talking about what does it mean to add value? What does value mean? What it means to add value is that at a very fundamental level, for every hour the company pays you, they are able to earn more money for that time segment than they pay you. And then the greater that differential, the greater the value. So you might come in and they might pay you to do a task, right? Like I was doing router and firewall audits. And maybe in one hour, I could do a certain amount of audits. And then as I got better, in that same time segment, I could do more. So that is one way to add value, I could do more. The problem we have is that we tend to think that's the only way. Okay, I gotta just do it faster, do it faster, do it faster. And there's a limit, right? There's a limit to how fast we can execute things. So what do we need to do? Here are some other ways, besides just doing it faster, that my physical hour or my physical duties can add more value to my organization. 
One thing is that I can delegate a portion of my job or a task to a lower paying employee. That's absolutely possible. And you might say, well, no, I'm starting at the bottom. There's no one lower than me. But I know when I first started, maybe it was, that wasn't my first, but right at, soon after, I had an intern come help me. And I was very new out of college, like two years out of college. I had an intern help me. You can also delegate portions of your job to a software, right? So I use Calendly to help schedule so that I don't have to pay a virtual assistant to schedule for me. I use software to do that. Okay. One time in my job, I completely eliminated the need for my job for like 90% of it. And I did that because I was using a number of technologies and I was the one executing, but only someone who was trained in those technologies could use them. And I found a way to create a better system to bypass all of those and just run some reporting with some queries in a database. So I designed it and co-developed it. And so I essentially eliminated the job, my job. And what happened? I was promoted. Okay, so we hold on to these notions about like, Every day, we need to come in, I need to come in and do the best job I can, I'm gonna do more, 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 more. But that's why it's important to take a step back and say, are there portions of work that I'm doing that I should not be doing? Is there a better way to do this? The problem is that we get really set into, our brains inherently love repetition. Okay, if you guys have been listening to me, you know my husband's I'll say forcing me to, to watch The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, but I get sucked in, okay? I'm a basketball player, so I love it too. And I'm a Tar Heels fan, so it is really good. We were watching it last night, and they had Spike Lee on. Do you remember the commercial that Spike Lee, he directed a commercial when Michael first came out with the Nike with Air Jordan, and he was called Mars, and he does this thing where he's like, the shoes, it's got to be the shoes, the shoes. And he does it again and again and again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's such brilliant repetition because repetition is brilliant. And I, it's so hard to remember this from so long ago, but like before Jordan like was the shoe guy, there wasn't a shoe. And now that's just part and parcel of the NBA. Like, oh, when are they getting their shoe? But that wasn't a thing. That really wasn't a thing. So I think that it's just super interesting that Spike Lee is so talented and he uses this repetition quality. Why? Because it's really effective in marketing because our brains love repetition. We love to do the same thing again and again. Why? It makes us feel smart. It makes us feel good when we go in to do our job and we're like, I know how to do that. I can show you how to do that. The key that I want to bring up here is that that's not always value adding. Just doing it faster and better isn't value-adding. Now, when you first start, that is what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to just do the job, do it faster, do it better, look at ways you can improve it. But after you've done it for a while, when it starts to feel really good because of that repetition, that's when you want to stop and step back and say, okay, now wait a minute. Are there portions of this that I can delegate or eliminate or create efficiencies around technology systems? or human systems, right? Maybe there's a better communication mechanism. So that really is what it means to add value because if I'm working at a big employer like Cisco and they're paying me a certain amount, but what do you know, that job is, I could figure out a way to do, you know, my job only takes half my time or 
I can do this other job that's really highly valuable and brings in a ton of revenue. What do you know? I've added more value to my organization. So those are some of the ways that you can directly look for value adding activities. Okay, but what is value in tech? Okay, this is super interesting. In all jobs, you're gonna have an element of this, but it's gonna be really, really important in tech. We don't want more, we want better. Okay, that's why I always bring up my blog, Stop Learning Everything. That's not helping you to get a job. If you know five programming languages, that won't help you get a junior developer job more than learning one programming language. What? Do you see what I'm saying? So then why do people do that? Because they want the confidence to go in and be prepared for that job. But the problem is you're actually diluting your confidence because how can you get better at one programming language when you're learning five? No, 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 that's actually gonna distract you. You don't wanna do that. You wanna learn exactly what you need to get hired. And then when you're adding value, you wanna learn exactly what you need to level up. What is the most important skill? So taking that time to identify what will add more value, what is going to level me up here, what is the skill, and then using that three-month time frame to really focus in on learning that skill and just honing in the least, so you want to learn the least amount of content with the most amount of depth, and then that goes back to repetition. We really just need to repeat it. How do we get good at something? We repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. So reduce and then repeat, reduce and then repeat. And this is why it's so, this is super interesting. I don't think a lot of you out there are thinking about this, but I, I'm still kind of creating my thoughts around this because I like the idea and the term returnship. I think it is helpful and good. However, I do not think that is the only way to return to the workforce. I also do not think it's the right way for everybody. And let me tell you what I mean. So. If a returnship is just a pseudonym for internship, I'm going to steer you away from that because I don't think it's going to be effective for you. But if a returnship is really what it should be and what it's guided to be, which is, hey, this is a high value employee, someone who's proven themselves before, they've had a break and we're gonna help them skill up to kind of come back from that break, but we understand and value them for the high level skills that they have, that's great. That's what we want out of a returnship. Because let's say you apply to an internship, okay, and you're like, I'm not an intern, I'm a mom, but I, I want to turn this into a returnship. Here's the problem. You are going to find that you have to do a lot of different tasks. Do this, and then do that, and then do this, and then do that. And you're going to have to work within a lot of different software systems. You're going to have to learn this one, and learn that one, and learn this one, and do this, and do that, and do this. Where that isn't necessarily benefiting the experiences that you just had. So if you're, if you're really good at project management, you can see the forest through the trees and you can really look at the bigger picture of things and understand kind of a higher level concept, then maybe I would submit to you that maybe there's a position that's better suited for you where you don't have to learn so many different new skills, you just need to learn this one, two, or three new skills, and then apply that through that bigger picture lens, 
and project management skills and people skills and empathy skills that you have been building as you've been a mom, as you've been staying at home, or as you've been working in another field outside of tech. I would submit that those are really high value skills and that you don't substitute those for the technical skills, you couple them with them and that is a hugely powerful way to add more value. So one of the things that I see moms doing in our community and our programs is that they're looking at this concept of, well, if I just learn these 20 skills, then I can be worthy and ready to apply, then I'll be a high quality candidate. When in reality, if you just focus on learning these three new skills again, 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 do it, do it, do it again and again, you couple that with, hey, I'm a I'm a mature professional and I've got these elements and I can also bring kind of new ideas or professionally challenge the, the status quo and the norm. Now you're really adding value. You're not just kind of taking orders and doing what you're told. You're actually thinking through, and with technology, it's all about the users. How can we make the users experience better? How can we offer our customers greater value in the technology? How can we not overwhelm them? So there are a lot of empathetic skills that are needed in technology. And that's why the UX design position was created. But everyone's a part of the UX design team. Everyone, every developer, a product manager, um, an agile coach, an IT project manager, everyone needs to be thinking about how are the users using this technology and how is it helping them in their life. So that's a great skill. That's why I tell people if you learn UX design, a lot of times you can parlay that into a UX design career, but if you can't, that's still really helpful information because anything in tech is about using software, so knowing the user never hurts you. That can never be a skill where you're like, no, that one doesn't help me at all. It's applicable in every role that you have in technology. So when we're talking about what is value in tech, I want you to focus on better, not more. And that's really gonna give you super confidence when you can say something like, hey, I'm gonna choose not to learn this skill right now. I'm gonna put that one on hold. And then you know why you're putting that on hold? Oh my gosh, that is so powerful. That concept, that, that ability to say no, to turn things down, is gonna turn up the clarity and turn up the focus in your brain. Beautiful. So we're talking about more money, more value for more money. What, what about the more money aspect? So when do you ask for more money? Now, I recommend you skill up. You always set your three-month time frames. And, and if you, as you get really good at this, you'll probably beat the three months. And when you first get started, you probably won't quite make it, but maybe you'll make four months. That's fine. But here's the thing. You can't expect people to just be like, oh, you skilled up in three months? Boom, I'm going to give you a raise every three months. I don't think that's reasonable, and I don't think that's helpful. I'd rather you had a systematic approach to add more value to the organization. And let me tell you, any organization where you add more value, now, is every single person going to see this? No. We always know there, there are peoples that are roadblocks in place that happen. But over the long haul and over the course of your learning, if you are a person who continually adds more value to an organization, they will want to pay you more. It won't be this like, oh, will you please? They will be like, yes, thank you. You can bring in more revenue for us. Yes, we'd be happy to pay you a portion of that. And it's not always a direct line when you're in a big organization. I think that's a little bit easier at a small organization to, to say like, oh, I added to that bottom line. But you, there are really specific ways you can do it. And here's my recommendation to you, is that if you, and this is a mistake I made early in my career, so I, I think I mentioned this before, but I was like, oh, I created more value. I should get more money. Well, you wanna give people, you wanna give them time to adjust. 
So you want to add that value for six to 12 months. So basically, you are giving them that value. You're like, here, I do this job at, um, let's say, $40,000 you're paying me, but I'm really worth $50,000, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that for six to 12 months. Do you see how you brought me in to do this? But I, I just am doing this other thing. Here's what you do. You make it so that that decision is a no-brainer. You're already adding the value. You've already done that. And so you don't want to withhold value. You want to make it so easy for them to be like, oh, my gosh, of course you can never raise. That's no problem because look at all the ways that you've added value. And you want to be consistently doing it. Now, you don't want to be berating your manager every single day. That's not going to be helpful. But you want to be proactive in planning with your manager. Are you adding the value that is seen in the organization? So, like, here's my learning plan. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm going to skill up at. And I would submit that everybody should be skilling up all the time and not necessarily requiring the company to... I mean, I'm sure that good companies will pay for your learning and development, but they shouldn't have to pay for every aspect of your learning and development. They shouldn't have to pay, give you hours for every aspect of that. Some of this might be things that you learn on your own because it's for your own professional development, and some of it may be applied to the organization and some may not. So that's why if you talk with your manager about what is that lens that your organization sees as value, then you can make the determination, okay, yeah, I want to scale this up for me, but I want to say skill up in these three areas, and these two areas are highly valued in my organization. So I really recommend that you do the job for six to 12 months, and then every quarter revisit this plan and say, see how I see, see the progress I'm making, and what is the feedback, and how can I do better? And I think that once you've proven that you've added value for six to 12 months, you're likely to see a really easy conversation around updates in just a bottom line for you, just more money for you. You've added more value, more money for you. Now, again, it has to be valuable to the organization. You can't just say, well, it's, you know, I'm more pleasant to work with, so, so I get paid more. It has to be that, that kind of real value added to the organization. Okay. Now, here's why I'm so convinced that moms finding meaningful, flexible, well-paid work are well-served by going into tech. Here's why. Because it makes sense to go into tech even at, say, $50,000 or like $25 per hour because your trajectory is so much higher, okay? So let's say it makes sense to go into that even if there's another job that's at, say, $60,000 where you have little room for growth. So let's say that's somewhere... Maybe you can make 60 as a paralegal, but you're probably going to get like a 2% raise per year. Let's look at the numbers. Let's go to the numbers. What do the numbers say? The numbers, if you are making $60,000 with a little room for growth, so about 2% growth, over 10 years, at the end of the 10 years, you will be at 71700 Okay, after 10 years. So if you look at that 10-year span, which if you, you know, stayed at home and now you're returning to the workforce, you'll at least have 10 years. Most of us will have 20 or 30 years of work left. And after that 10 years, that total income, so I'm adding up, just summing up every single year from 60000 all the way to 71700 that total income that you would receive over those 10 years would be 600000 
57,000 in total income. Not bad, right? Not bad, pretty good. Pretty good over that time frame. But what if you start at 50,000 in tech? Okay, so that's 10,000 less than say, for example, a paralegal, but your trajectory is higher. So now you can make 10% more every year, which is, I admit, a good raise and not necessarily a straight line in tech, but definitely if you look at how you can make big jumps, I'd say not maybe not an industry standard, but I would say the norm for a high achiever. I would definitely say the norm for a high achiever. So we're going to take 10% increase every year. That means at the end of that 10 years, instead of making the 50000 you're making $118,000. Okay, that's the six figures. All right? So we talk about a lot. So add up all of the tech trajectory career, that 10 years, and you are at 797,000. Okay, so that's about 800,000. So I start at 50,000, but my trajectory is higher versus I start at 60, and I do that in tech, versus I'm a paralegal for 60,000, and my trajectory is slower. What's the differential? That's about $140,000 over 10 years. So this is why I say you really need to look over the long haul. Because if you are comparing those two, which one would you pick, 50 or 60? I want to make 60, right? Maybe, or maybe if you look over at the, at the trajectory, you're like, I'll take that 140000 So I see a lot. This is my problem with kind of that small, maybe they'll take a chance on me. Maybe I can turn an internship into a returnship. Why not skill up a little bit and make yourself a higher value and get in, get in wherever you need to so that you can get on this trajectory. Because there are jobs out there. And again, I don't think you're gonna walk in, hey, I've been home with my kids for 10 years and I'd like to make six figures. I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I'm not saying that that is the norm. But if you look at this example I just gave, can you come in and make 50,000? Can you make it with a company that's growing and you can get a raise every year and you can add more value? And oh, by the way, you have a learning plan where you know how to repeat it again and again and again, so you're not just you're not overwhelmed. You're just spending one or two pomodoros a night doing it after the kids go to bed. Maybe you skip Netflix two or three nights a week. You do it three nights a week. You're skilling up every week. Every week you've done three hours that no one else has done. Can you do one night a week? And you're skilling up in a way where your company is benefiting from your learning. You're going to be at that six figures really quickly and. Most of you are going to start with it at more higher than 50. So this is a pretty conservative estimate. And this is where I can be so convinced why it's so easy for me to say, hey, did you ever consider tech? Maybe you should consider tech. I mean, there are so many jobs that don't even involve coding in tech. And I personally, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm on a secret mission. It's not very secret because I'm going to tell you. I think if you get around tech, if you get around the software and you're a UX designer or you're a scrum master or you're PM or whatever, and you're going to see what developers are doing, you're going to be like, I could do that. So some of you are ready to code now. You're brave enough and you're going to try it. And I please do not stop on my account. 
But if you're wondering why, as a computer science undergrad, I'm not pushing that more, it's because I think that the closer you are to the code, the more tangible and easier it'll be for you to conceive of. Now, some of you will never code. That's okay, too. That's totally okay. But what's not okay is if you think you're not capable of it, because I know you are. Because I know that I didn't have anything special. No one encouraged me to do coding. I didn't grow up coding. I was around those people who just did it their whole lives, and I felt like, oh my gosh, how do you know so much more than me? And all I did was go to the lab every night and just work on my, and work and work and work and got better and better and better. But I, I know that there isn't something like special or blessed about me. I, I'm not even the best student in my own family, <laughs> let alone like in my circle of friends or people I knew. I'm not. I was a good student, not a great student. But I just exposed myself again and again, and I really liked it and appreciated it. So that's how I can be so convinced that it's definitely possible for all of you. But it's okay if you just want to contribute to software for a different reason. Because maybe you think it isn't designed for you, or and you think that, hey, software should be something that I like to use and makes sense to me, and really there's no reason that other people get to design it, and then I, what, I, I feel like I'm not as intelligent because I don't think the way they think? That has nothing to do with it. It's just not designed for you. So there are a lot of opportunities in technology where you can contribute in a way that's meaningful if you can get over some of these mental hurdles that are just standing in your way. So I hope that this has been valuable to you, that, that you can really start to tangibly understand how you can add more value and, get, and receive more money, and why tech is really worth considering, because as a mom, it gives you a lot of flexibility, right? Like, how would you like to know that you could work from home, you could just skip that commute? And I get it. Some of you want to go into the office. That's cool, too. You know, I, I go back to my example of Cisco. They have an office. It's super cool. You can work remotely go to the office. Now, I know that it's a huge company, and I'm sure there are lots of different benefits. Different teams do different things. But I use it as an example to say, if you're selling yourself short because you're not sure you're capable, but here are all the examples and reasons why you're wrong. So stop doing that. Stop wasting any brain power on that. And then instead, turn your brain power to, to scaling up and adding more value. That's really how you get to that six figures. Thanks so much for being with me today. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at youartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.